You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Open your Bible to Ephesians 5, if you would, in your Bibles. That'll be our text uh, this morning. Here is my introduction uh, this morning uh, to this sermon series. And I don't always give an introduction like this, but I feel like it's necessary. So I want to begin by saying this, that we're going to be talking for three weeks about marriage and parenting God's way. And the way we've kind of uh, divided these messages is one for the wives, one for the husbands, and, and then one for parents. Now, again, when I say that, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm eliminating anyone, because as you see, each message will complement the other and give us a greater understanding of why the previous one was important and how they work together. In this year of the child, we desperately need a greater understanding of how we can raise godly children or raise up a generation that will take our place. And that's not just parents and husbands and wives, but that's every single member of gospel light who will have an impact on our young people. And as we consider those things, we've, we've got to start where God started, and that is you know, with a home, with marriage. Adam, Eve, in the garden. How God uh, gifted human, humankind with this incredible relationship called husband and wife. That's a tender subject, because if it's not spoken with humility, then it can get really ugly. And, and so I've prayed and sought the Lord about this and just asked God to give wisdom and direction regarding presentation. Because, you know, I know the importance of speaking the truth. And yet sometimes because the truth has been so watered down because culture has invaded theology and, and it's changed. And it's not changed because of what the Bible says. How many of you know God never changes? Amen. It's changed because pastors and elders and... Christians have decided, well, let's not stir the pot. It's not a big deal. I just happen to be of the persuasion that I cannot speak, but uh, I cannot, uh, what's the word? I cannot help but speak the things that I have heard. That's it. Thank you, honey. Acts chapter four. I cannot help but speak the things that I have seen and heard. So if the Bible says it, I kind of think you got to say it and you got to teach it, but you do it with love. And when you do that, sometimes it begins to dispel what society has kind of brainwashed us into thinking. And there's no subject like man and women that Satan has distorted more than, 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 than he is right now. And we shouldn't be surprised by this because times are waxing worse and worse. The coming of the Lord is soon. And so there are going to be, I mean, how many of you have said at some point in the past year, I can't believe this. I mean, I would have never, ever imagined my entire lifetime. I realize they said that 20 years ago and 20 years before that. And that's probably a statement that has, you know, been characteristic of every generation. And yet it simply means things are getting worse and worse. So there's a need for clear Bible teaching. Now, there's a lot of notes. So how are we going to get done? Good question. Um, the last service, I just, I, I went as quickly as I could. In order to do things properly, I feel like I need to announce this, that I was led in my prayer time also to not feel as if we had to, in this particular message, give what we normally would give and, just, and, and call a, a public invitation, where we actually, and we do, by the way, believe in this. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned how important it is that we come forward, that we pray at times when God leads us. But today, we're going to do that in our seats as we teach more than preach this morning, which, by the way, that's, that, that is 
needed, I think, as well as preaching, teaching. And I don't always get the chance to teach our church because the majority of the time I am. Uh, we just finished a five-week series uh, on uh, coming back home. It was an intense series, and there was a lot of emotion in that series and a lot of powerful moments and still are powerful moments as a result of what God did for us in that series. This one, I I want to be more of a teaching message. And so at the end of the message, I'm going to ask you as we conclude the message to just uh, be be preparing uh, your heart to ask God what he had in it for you. And then also to begin to connect this sermon with next week's sermon to the husbands and then the following sermon to the parents. So that's my introduction. Now, Along with that, as Butch said, if you are here, and I had somebody here this morning that I got to talk to before church, it was awesome, and uh, about just questions about God and church and, and, and eternity, and those questions are important, and, and he was so thrilled that when I looked at him and said, would you contact me, let's get together this week and talk about that. You know, I think that is so important, and so I want you to know that uh, in this service, you are invited, you are invited to find someone, if not myself, after the service to inquire about Christ, about eternity, about heaven, about what, what it looks like for your soul. We would love to talk with you more about that. But as a pastor today, I address this very important subject of husbands and wives. And so the subject for the next two weeks is marriage. Now, whether you are married or not, okay, I think this is for you. Whether marriage is the worst thing that's ever happened to you and you're just sort of hoping that you'll have another opportunity in the future, whether you're, you've never been married before or whether you're trying to hold on to what is left of your marriage or whether you have a wonderful marriage. This is the cornerstone of society. The subject for which I am teaching is without question the, the cornerstone of, of, of every society. So goes the family. So goes a nation. And so let's see initially what did God say in Genesis 2, 18, as we begin this, we see, therefore, or rather, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 2, 18. Oh, it's, oh, that's not it. Thank you. I'm supposed to read that one. You're good, brother. All right. He's like, oh, no, I messed up. <laughs> I messed up. Genesis 2, 18 says, then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God said, it's not good that man be alone. So I'm going to make a helper. And that helper is going to be a perfect Fit for him. Thus, God has created man and woman to complement each other. So true. That verse that I just read is is basically what that says. I'm going to make one fit for him. What a man has, a woman needs. What a woman has, a man needs. And that is far more than a physical need. It is the physical need. But it's true at every level of every being, of our mind, of our soul, of our heart. Every part of us is in desperate need of this. This is God's gift. This is God's provision for us. And there's a healthy way to look at this. In fact, now we'll look to the screen in Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father, his mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one Flesh, And then this beautiful verse, they were both naked and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Marriage is important. And yet there's a reason to be very concerned. Very concerned. 
I mean, I, I, I preach this message to you as a pastor for 25 years at the same church, understanding that I have, I have, I have seen with my own eyes some of these stats, some of these things I'm going to read to you become a part of even the Christian community. In 1978, 28% of Americans said, as far as they were concerned, marriage was obsolete, not important, and a ridiculous way to look at family. Today, 40% of every American would say, it's not really a big deal. It's just an obsolete issue. It's not important. And the fact that Christian marriages, and by the way, Christian meaning one man, one woman together for a lifetime, that's God's definition of marriage. And so the fact that Christian marriages are ending in divorce in the last 40 years, think about this, one Christian marriage in 500 40 years ago ended in divorce. Since then, one Christian marriage in 50. And then in recent days, in recent statistics, one Christian marriage in five. Now, I know you've heard stats and I've even said them that 50% of Christian marriages are ending in divorce. But I've come to know that that's somewhat deceiving because when we say that, when I've said it, and I have, you ask somebody if they're a Christian, pretty much 80% of America would say that. 50% of those marriages, yes, may be ending in divorce, but those that attend church faithfully, uh, believe the Bible is the word of God, read their Bibles, pray, attend church together, one in five of those marriages. That's a lot for faithful church-going Christ followers are ending in divorce. I don't think the problem is just a lack of training on marriage. And the reason I say that is because I do a lot of this. I mean, I do a lot of teaching on marriage. I mean, from the pulpit, oftentimes you'll find me talking about my relationship with Carol Ann and how that looks and how it gives glory to God if it's done right. Uh, We have seminars we attend, retreats we go to. We just finished a marriage seminar that uh, a lot of our couples attended for a couple of days and paid money to go and learn and get books and see videos. And, And so I don't think it's necessarily a lack of training. I think the key is this. That the biblical teaching on marriage actually focuses on one main issue. And the one main issue is often not what the seminars and what the books and uh, all the training is really on. I mean, there's a lot of great things that you can learn in those things. Date your wife once a week, you know, the five love languages. I mean, there's all kinds of great things. They're all good. And I like all of those things. But I think that the foundation of it all is truly a misunderstanding of, of, of what marriage is really all about what is a husband? What is a wife? What are their roles? What is their place? What is their part? Because we live in a society that is trying to remove all gender distinction. I mean, if you didn't just wake up yesterday, you know that. You you, you can just watch ESPN 24-7 and know that. Much less Fox News or Time Magazine. I mean... The truth of the matter is, in doing that, we have erased the concept of gender-appropriate roles. That's that, that, thus the unisex movement. Thus the LGBT crowd. I mean, it's like there's so many definitions now of relationships that are okay. Radical feminist public policy. All of this is being done to say that men and women are the same. Just find something that works for you and go for it. If it's man and a man, great. Woman and a woman, great. If it's, I was a man, but I, I kind of feel like I'm leaning more towards being a woman. Uh, uh, hey, 
switch right on over. I mean, this is where we're at today. And I say this lovingly and kindly. All of this is trying to reorder what God has established. And listen, church, he is Lord. He's Lord. And if he's Lord, then we submit ourselves to his lordship. He is the master and what he says goes. I mean, that's it. If God said it, we believe it. That settles it. Guess what? Whether anybody else believes it or not. And so to get to that place, we're actually going to go back. Imagine a pastor going back to the Bible and actually seeing what it says. (laughs) What a strange thought these days. But we're going to do that. We're going to show lots of scripture. This is part one of a two-part message. Very important because several times in this message, you're going to hear me refer to that next week's sermon. Because in reality, men, um, we don't need to miss church next week. We need to be here. We need to, we, we need to hear, you know, I thank God for podcasts and all of that, but I think it's so much more effective when we can be here. So let, let's go. Ready to jump in? Here we go. Men and women are equal under God in every way. They are equal in importance. They were equal in standing. They are equal in significance. They are equal in privilege. They are equal in worth. Men and women are equal under God in every way. But the mistake is this. Equality does not require sameness. That's the mistake. That's the era of the world. And that's what we're going to use the word of God to displace. Are you with me? We're going to displace that right there because that is the teaching of the world. Just as there is equality in the Trinity, but at the same time, there are roles In the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, equal in every way, all equally God, but different roles, different roles. Very important. So let's open our Bibles. Our text is Ephesians chapter five. You're there. It all starts. We're going to begin uh, in just a moment reading some scripture, but it all starts in verse one where it says, be imitators of God. I love that because here we are talking about something that is, that is very important. The role of a husband, the role of a wife, marriage. And, and God says, let's start with this. Just imitate me. Just get it right. I'm about to tell you something and I want you to do it the way that, that I say to do it. I'm going to model it for you. And you'll see that in just a minute. It's pretty awesome. Also, we find that scripture then goes on in Ephesians chapter 5 to talk about walking in love. So whatever we do, let's do it in love. Let's not do it out of arrogance. The last thing you need is a preacher up here preaching as if he's right and everybody else is wrong and he knows everything from the, you know, that's not what this is all about. This is one sinner preaching to a bunch of sinners how we can, also, how we can all sin a little bit less. I mean, I'm, I'm in this thing with you. I struggle like you struggle. I'm not speaking from a place of, of, of superiority. I know that God's given me a place of authority in the church as an elder, but, but not superiority. I'm no better than you are. I'm a husband that struggles with the same stuff that you struggle with. My wife struggles, ladies, with some of the same things that you struggle with. And so we need to do it in love. This is not about I do it better than you do it. This is about we're all trying to do better. And then the Bible speaks in Ephesians 5 of sexual immorality. And you know what it says about that? It should not be named among you in the church. God does not want sexual immorality in the church. How important is it for us to understand We need to be so careful as believers if the body of Christ is going to be 
pure and spotless and holy like, we, like, like it should be as we present it at his coming. We, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can do to, to be very careful about things that would, that would draw us into sexual immorality. These are all things in Ephesians chapter 5. And then, all of a sudden, the teaching on marriage begins. I'm going to start reading just in verse 15 where it says, Look carefully then how you walk. I have above that word walk, live. Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but, but wise. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. I hope you're making the best use of your time right now. Therefore do not, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I love that. I want you to know in marriage, what is God's will for the, for the woman? What is God's will for the man? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always and for everything to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, submitting, there it is, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we find out right early on in this passage that, that we are to submit to one another, but not the same way. There's different ways that we submit to one another. And so here it is, verse 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Or that word submit, you can write the word yield if you'd like next to it. That's what it means. Yield to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We're going to talk about those verses this morning. Next week, next Sunday, here we go. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Interesting. We've got three verses for the wife and we've got 11 verses for the husband. I guess we need more help, guys. How many of you think we need more help? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> By the way, I think all the guys raised their hands. Ladies, way to be, way to be humble. That was good. And um, it's amazing how that works, though. And so now we jump into the message. And you may ask yourself the question, why are we going to talk about the wife's role first? Well, I wanted to talk about the husband's role first. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. Let's get our stuff out of the way, right? I mean, it's going to hurt bad enough. But the truth of the matter is God talked about the wife's role first. And I kind of feel like we should do things in God's order. And so since God addressed the wives first, and you know, the more I got to studying and I'm finished with next week's message already prepared, ready to go, to be able to give the notes to my secretary in the morning. And I did that for a reason. Oftentimes I'm, I get ahead because it's amazing how messages can complement one another. And you can see how important the next message is to the previous message. And so we start with the wives. Let's talk about the role of the wife first. And to do that, I'm going to give you five ways to understand submission biblically. We're moving along nicely, although we haven't covered many notes yet. Did you get that? 
Number one, what is the definition of submission? Because verse 22, it says wives submit. So what does submission mean? Well, it has the idea of placing yourself under. Now pay close attention as you write the note under. I want you to notice very, very clearly it says to place yourself. No one forces submission. That's not how this works. It is a willing choice that a godly woman makes as unto Christ. Submission is a voluntary yielding. It's voluntary. All right, let me illustrate. <clears throat> How many of you have ever come to a four-way stop sign? Anybody ever done that? All right, so ready? You're this stop sign right here. Ready? Come on, jump up. Hey. All right, and would you be my next stop sign right here? Yep, and Cassie, I want you to be one cloak. Come here. Hey, yeah. anybody ever face these? I hate four-way. Whoever invented this, this is like ridiculous. This is the most frustrating moment in any, anybody's life. Are you with me? You ever come to one of these? You come to a four-way stop sign, and it's like, what do you do? I mean, we're all stopped. It's like to, to go would be a collision. I mean, do we all go first? Do we, you know, what, what happens here? So have you ever been in this situation where you're like, you're sitting there and, and, and you go thinking everybody's okay with it. And then, and then two other people decide to go. And it's like almost a crash. And then you got to back up or you got to cuss the person out, you know, or excuse me, I didn't mean that. And, um, or you got to, you know, look at them like the, you know, conflict starts coming. You ever heard some, seen somebody get out of their car? Whoa! Right? It's a crazy moment life. Or you come to a four-way stop sign and you sit there forever trying to be a good Christian. It's like, oh, I ain't going. And I'm going to be, because I want to be like Jesus. And so does everybody else. So this is the crazy moment in your life where you're sitting there and you're like, two minutes, three minutes. You're like, come on, somebody give in. You know, <laughs> somebody go. But then oftentimes you'll see someone in the perfect scenario just, why don't you go? Yeah. And they go. And then they go all the way through. And then the next person says, hey, why don't you go? And, and they go, thank you so much. You did a great job. You're like, what do I do next, right? Now, I did all that. And thank you, Ken Reed, for making my stop signs. I'm selling them after the service. I'll sign them back. Just kidding. And, um, <clears throat> but the illustration is simply this. The illustration is wives are to yield to their husbands. That, that's what we are to do. And in yielding to her, to her husband... It prevents a collision from taking place. We see conflict coming. We feel conflict coming. And the wife yields to her husband. Now, before we jump to conclusions, let's add this biblical principle. That submission is characteristic of all believers. It's not just the husband and the wife. This is a Bible principle that is, that is threaded through the entire word of God. For instance, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, Jesus Christ submitted to his earthly parents. Look at it. It says that he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. The king of glory, Jesus Christ himself, submitted himself to sinful parents. A mom and dad who had to get saved and had to trust in him for their salvation. And yet Jesus understood. You submit. And then Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Everybody is more significant. I gave this illustration. A gentleman attended our church service this morning. <clears throat> he came in and it was cute, really. He, he was excited. He was a, a, a young guy that just was, you know, he, he, he was here for the first service, loved it. He was kind. He let me use him for an illustration. He was super sweet, but it just, God does stuff like this for me sometimes. And I'm just brave enough to actually tell the story and hope they don't leave. And he didn't. But, you know, he came out, he wanted to sing. He, he, he just, he had a pretty good voice. You know, I heard him singing out in the lobby and most people just think, freak out over something like that. Who does that guy think he is? And I just said, well, somebody's got to go to him. And I said, hey, brother, I said, you know, I know you want to sing, but I said, it's probably best if, you know, maybe we can talk about it and, and see how your gifting and your talent maybe could be used here or somewhere. And we could talk about some other things too. And he said, oh, that'd be great. I said, because, man, if God's given you a gift, I want you to use it. He said, oh, thank you for understanding. He said, I really didn't know how it worked. I said, that's no problem, bro. It's good, man. Enjoy the service. He said, oh, thank you, Pastor. He was great. And I thought, you know, sometimes we look at people like that, like they're crazy, and we want to just tell them off. And, you know, we, we almost see somebody just slightly different. And if we're not careful, we just think everybody's going to walk into a building and shoot everybody when some people just need somebody to love them. Who's to say that maybe we could prevent a lot of damage if we would treat people differently? If we just showed them respect. I am by no means saying that that's the answer to every mental health issue. I am saying that I think sometimes people are just not treated properly, which leads to more frustration in their lives. You see. See, what I'm teaching here is simply this. We must consider others more than we consider ourselves. And then, what about Matthew 23, 11? It says that the greatest among you shall be your servant. Wow. That means the most important person is the one who serves somebody else. I had a pastor call me this week. Beautiful. He said, hey, what are you doing on, on, um, on Thursday before Easter? I said, I looked at my sky. I said, I'm in town. He says, I want to wash your feet. Can you come to my church? I've, nobody's ever called me and asked if they could wash my feet. <laughs> He said, I want to wash your feet. And he, uh, Doug Gully was in the first service. He called Doug, too. We're actually really good friends with this pastor. And so we're going to go to a, a Holy Thursday service, and he's going uh, to wash our feet as a sign of humility to the pastors in town. I love that. That's what God's doing in Hot Springs. We're serving one another. We're not competing with one another. We're not saying we're the best thing that's going. No, we're just simply saying, hey, we are one of many gospel preaching churches in town. And we're going to be for a lot of people. We want to grow. We want to see God add to our church. And we feel like we've got something unique about us that maybe other churches don't have. But we're not better than anybody. We're, we just want to serve the community. And however that looks is great. And then Ephesians 5, 21. You know, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So submission has a chain of authority. And if submission to Christ is not in place, then everything else will be a problem. Did you get that? That's important. Because everything I'm teaching here really has to do with whether or not you're submitting to Christ. You know, when you submit to Christ, all these other things work. All these other areas of submission work. Because there's an order to the yielding in our relationships. Let me give you an example. Number one, we're to submit to human government. Scripture teaches in Romans 13, verse 1. Look at it on the screen. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Is that what it says? I didn't say that. God said it. So I know I'm to submit my, myself to the governing authorities. That, that, that's, how, that's God's plan. That is his order. Secondly, we're to, we as church members are to submit to our elders. 
we're to submit to our elders. Now, Scripture teaches that, I'm not speaking about our elders as you would say, obey your elders and parents or grandparents. In this context, in the context of this Scripture, it's speaking of the leaders, the spiritual leadership of the church. God places spiritual leadership in the church for a purpose, and we submit to that leadership. Uh, th- that's why, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I, 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 you trust that I'm going to preach what God uh, w- would direct me to preach or lay on my heart. There might even be decisions at times that are made by an elder group where we are discerning a direction that our church should go and we all trust our elder leadership. Scripture says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then it says in Hebrews, obey the leaders and submit to them. And so there is a, an order to church polity and to church leadership. And then children are to submit to their parents. Ephesians 6.21 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then wives are to submit to their husbands. Ephesians 5.22, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. All of us, all of us are to submit to Christ. Amen. There's an order, but all of us are to submit to Christ. Two thumbs up on that one, right? Because when we do that, when we submit to Christ, then everything else works. It falls into place. We don't seem to have a problem with rebellion when we are submitted to Christ because we understand God has an order of authority. So submission as wives cannot be understood perfectly apart from the role of the husband. Got to understand, that's why next week is so important. Now, Wayne Grudem said something that I, I, I wanted to share with you. And not everybody would know that name, but some are more familiar than others. Wayne Grudem has his own commentary on the Bible. He's a brilliant theologian, and he's taught me a lot about marriage, as I've read a lot of his stuff. Wayne Grudem said this about submission. Submission refers, I almost put this in your notes, but I couldn't fit it. Submission refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. It is not an absolute surrender of her will. Rather, we speak of her disposition to yield to her husband's guidance and her inclination to follow his leadership. Christ is her absolute authority, not her husband, but she submits to her husband out of reverence for Christ. It almost feels like you're reading scripture. And yet it's just a, a good theological position, a biblical position. Now I want to give you an example here of what I'm talking about, another example. Are you, are you up for that? Everybody up for another example? Okay, good. All right, Jerome and Marlena, come on up here for a second. All right, I'm going to show you something real quick. How long have y'all been married? 21 years this week. Give them a hand. Hey! Woo! Man, these guys are getting experts on this thing of marriage, right? Here's why. Let me give you an illustration. All right, real quick. This is a good one, okay? Marlena, if you know Marlena, you know she, she's, a, she's tough. I mean, Marlena's not one of those you just got to push over. I mean, she's, she's got an opinion, and it's rather strong. And, uh, hey, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. That's how she's wired. And, and I'm going to tell you, you talk about a home where you can see a mother's influence. I mean, these are kids who are in church this morning, understand authority and rules, and a lot of that comes from mom. 
you know, if you know Jerome, Jerome, he leads us home, but he leads it more quietly. I've often said, ah, I don't hear Jerome say too much. And I've heard all the kids and her say, yeah, but at home we know who's in charge. <laughs> now, all that to say, two totally different people, little different personality. And, and, and the goal is sometimes for Jerome as a leader to find out a way that he can use his wife's gifting to be strong and, and to be firm. And, and yet how she can fold that under sometimes to fit underneath Jerome's leadership. I mean, it's a beautiful picture of how it works. But if they are, hold hands for just a moment, okay? And, and don't, don't let go as, we, as you do this. But let's say they are coming to a decision in their marriage where they just don't, they don't agree. So let's go in different directions, Okay. Pretty much stretch it out. Okay, good. Stop there. Okay, things are, are a, little, a little tension here. I mean, they're going a different... This just doesn't work. When he's going this way and she's going this way, eventually, if you do that long enough, that's going to break. We're going to have some serious issues. But, Marlena, you know, she... It's not that she really wants to or sees it his way, but she, as her wife, and, and, and she understands this message and this principle, she, she yields. And she says, you know what? I'm going to follow my husband. And so she... But then all of a sudden, Jerome, because he, husband, love your wives. Jerome says, ah, nah, sweetheart. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to do what you want to do. And they go her direction. 90% of the time. Ladies, can I get an amen? No, really. No, no, that's the truth. I know it sounded like a joke, but it was the truth. Thank you very much. Beautiful. You say, what are you talking about, preacher, 90% of the time? Let me explain something to you real quickly here. What Marlena is doing when she yields, and it's on the screen here, the wife has a willingness to yield. She has a willingness to yield, but it's declined by Jerome because he wants to put his wife first. Because Christ loves the church and he gave himself up. Christ put us first when we didn't deserve it. He left the the, the, the wonderful place of heaven to come down in sinful humanity because he said, I love you and I'm going to put you first. We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. And gentlemen, that's how we're to love our wives. So here comes a hundred decisions in your marriage. 50 of those decisions, let's just say, you agree. Hey, I'm in the mood for chilies. I can't believe it. I'm in the mood for chilies too. That's incredible. Let's go to chilies. Isn't that great? That's probably 50% of my wife and I. I mean, it's like we, we see it. We get it 50% of the time. I mean, it's just like no problem. No question. No. It's just like, let's do it. We're, we're both good with it. 40 of those decisions, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it really does. It's like so minute that the husband then is fine to say, I love you, sweetheart. Let's just let's do it your way. So we're up to 90% of the time now. She's happy. But 10 of those 100. One out of ten. Not bad, ladies. One out of ten. I'm going to say for sake of illustration that the husband then says, look, I just really, I know, honey, you don't see it, but I need you to trust me. This is what God is leading me to do. And and one out of ten, he believes this and she yields. So that's the best I could do with the definition of submission. Okay, number two. Uh did the best I can do. Number two is this, the direction of submission. What is the direction of submission? Well, let's go deeper into the text. We don't have to go very deep because there's not a whole lot here. But in verse 22, it says it all. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Pay close attention to that. It's not uh, very wordy, but it's very clear. All men 
are not in authority over all women. I don't know where in the world men get this attitude that women are submit to them just because they're a woman. There is only one woman that is submit to you, and that's your wife. So let's, let's, let's understand the direction. Men only have the position with their own wife, not with other women. Well, I've seen this attitude in men in the church world and other where there's a superior. You are super messed up, bro. And, and it's over. Wives submit to your own husband. That's one person. So let's be careful how we carry that over into different places. Number three, the object of submission. What is the object? Well, it's clear again. It's very simple. Wives submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the what? Lord, the object of our submission really is Jesus Christ. We're doing this as unto the Lord. Sometimes submission can be very difficult. So I'm really glad we have to do this for Jesus because sometimes I can imagine, ladies, it's really hard to follow us. (laughs) We can be really unwise at times. Sometimes submission can be very difficult. Like when a husband is exercising unwise leadership. What if that husband is neglecting his family priorities? That's hard, isn't it, to submit to that? What if a husband is avoiding spiritual leadership? I mean, he should be leading spiritually, but he's not. What if you have to object to something, but he just won't listen? Here it is. By submitting to the leadership that appears unwise, you are not saying it's okay. You are not saying it doesn't matter. What you are saying as unto the Lord is this. I cannot deal with him, but God can. God can deal with him. God can change him. When I cannot trust my immediate authority, women, wives, I can trust my ultimate authority. And that is God. As unto the Lord. This is how you do it. This is scripture. This is teaching. And when you understand that you really truly are submitting yourself to God, it makes all of this work. But when you disrespect your husband, when you reject his influence, when you reject his leadership, you are truly rejecting God. So let's move on to number 23, verse 23. Let's look at the illustration of submission. How How am I to submit myself to my own husband as into the Lord? How do I do this? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ. Here's the illustration. The husband is the head of the wife, just like Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself the Savior. The way that a husband, and I'm going to say more about this next week, But the way that a husband is the head of his wife is the way that Christ is the head of the church. How many of you have ever had an objection at your church? I have. (laughs) I'm the pastor. (laughs) I mean, don't be afraid to raise your hand. I'm sure there's been times where you've said, you know, I just don't really agree with that. I mean, hopefully we're, you know, you've heard someone say if you leave the church every time you disagree, you know, because you expected somebody to be perfect, join another church and it won't be perfect because you joined it. You know, you've heard that. Truth of the matter is those are silly, fun ways of just simply saying sometimes we can be really immature and 
and not agree with something at the church and feel as if that's reason to stir up a stink. To be honest with you, I just think that's the way it is. I mean, we're, we're never going to agree 100% on anything. I don't agree with myself on 100% of everything. And sometimes I make a decision and five minutes later I think, you know what, that was stupid. Anybody like that? Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. About a dozen of you? Good. We'll start a small group. And that'd uh, be great. But how many of you, even though you would say, yeah, Brother Eric, I do have some objections at times to how, how you've led the church. But I'll tell you one thing. I have never had an objection to how Jesus has run the church. Amen? I mean, he's A++++. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus has never done me wrong. He's never done this church wrong. If, 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 if God is the head of the church, I can assure you it is going to be okay. The problem is not Jesus. He gets an A+. So listen, men. When we as men are leading our wives and our families the way that Christ is leading the church... I can assure you, we will not have a problem with what this message is. We won't. Because Christ is perfect. And the way he leads the church is perfect. And if I can lead my wife like he leads the church, if I can just do better at that, oh, I'm going to do so much better. So I want to find out more about how that works. That's next week. So let's talk about the word head for just a moment. The the husband's the, the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the church, the, the, the leader, the, the authority, God's divine order, uh, order of authority is this is Christ's church. This is not Eric's church. This is not your church. This is Christ's church. Well, God's given me a wife. She's my wife and I am to lead her. God's put me in this divine position of leading my wife. Anybody ever heard this? Two heads is a monster. And I think that a lot of marriages have become horror movies because of their attempt to try to be co-heads of their home. That's ugly. That's disastrous. And that's not God's way. But can I say as we balance everything out that husbands who lead their wives in an authoritative, domineering, disrespectful, and insensitive way miss what Christ has given to the church. Christ gave his life for the church. And because you are the head does not mean you're to ever be domineering, to ever be disrespectful or insensitive in any way because God has not been that way to the church. He gave himself for the church. Wow. I need to give myself to my wife. I'll learn that next week. Now, let's talk about the extent of submission. But before we do, because it's a little bit heavy, let me tell a little quick joke. You know, it's good sometimes in these heavy meetings. Here's this pastor like myself preaching on marriage. He decides to try to get somebody to come up and share about their experience of being married for 50 years. Hey, Joe's been married for 50 years. So not Joe, but Joe in the, in the joke. And uh, hopefully you'll be in the joke one day, amen? And, uh, hey, and so Joe comes up and, and Joe says, uh, the pastor says, hey, Joe, man, you've been married for 50 years. Tell us how you've stayed married to the same woman for 50 years. Joe says, well, actually, it's not too hard to explain. You know, I've just learned, you know, I've spent a lot of money on her and taken her a lot of places. In fact, you know, we've gone, you know, our 25th wedding anniversary. I took her to Beijing, China. Whew, boy, you, boy, you heard elbows flying and 
whispers. And wow, so cool. 25 years. They go to Beijing, China. After everything kind of calmed down, the pastor said, wow, Joe, that's amazing. So if you took her to Beijing, China at 25, you know, where are you going to go for your 50th anniversary? He said, well, actually, I'm going back to Beijing, China to get her. So anyway, that, that's, that's, that's just a joke, okay? So, who knows, they both may have been happy. I'm not sure I didn't ask him, but it's a joke. So the extent of submission, are you ready? Here's why we're going to talk about this in closing. Because this one is tough. Would you look with me at verse number 24? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. That, that's that's kind of confusing. It's not, but it is. It's not because it's God's word, right? But it is because I'm thinking everything. Whew. And then I remember, wait a minute. In my, in my common Bible practice of studying God's word, I always understand scripture complements scripture. And oftentimes in studying the word of God, you must compare scripture with scripture. And when you do that, it gives you a very clear understanding of something like that. So in everything except, can I give you a few of those? What are the exceptions? Well, we know there's exceptions because Scripture gives exceptions. For instance, let's read together on the screen, Acts chapter 4. Remember this happened when, uh, when, when Peter was uh, preaching the gospel and he was saying what God said to say. And they said, if you say that again, we're going to kill you. And here was his response. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard. And later on, he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So accept when your husband is causing you to sin. In everything except that. You see, God's word and God's will is first. John Piper puts it like this. This is beautiful. It's very helpful when I read this. And I'm reading this slow because it's so good. He says this. She should never follow her husband into sin. Nevertheless, even when she may have to stand with Christ against the sinful will of her husband. And here's the key. She can still have a spirit of submission and disposition to yield. She can show by her attitude and behavior that she does not like resisting her husband's will. And that she longs for him to forsake his sin and lead their family in righteousness so that her disposition to honor him and yield to him can again produce harmony. That's so beautiful. Well put, Mr. Piper. And that's what scripture teaches here. So let's make sure that we don't allow his sin to empower us to think that we can just all of a sudden take control. No, that's not what scripture teaches at all. Except when our husband causes us to sin. Number two, except where it would injure you physically. That would be sin. No woman should ever live in fear. The woman in this room or in any place that I would speak who would be afraid for her husband to come home because he has physically threatened her or actually physically injured her should call the police. Or if she's just living in fear of that, she should at least call the elders of the church to step in and talk to him. 
because that's proper biblical authority, that the order of authority is God, the elders, the husband. At least one of those two. And so, except where it would cause you to sin, except where it would injure you physically, except where it would injure you emotionally. Now, this is a very sticky subject because I understand how much is too much. You hear this word emotionally thrown around sometimes, and I feel like sometimes we, we can feel as if because we're emotional, then it's somebody else's fault. I would just say this. This is where discernment and counseling comes in. If you're in a position where you feel that maybe there's reason for you to to seek some counsel to understand why you feel the way you do, then please seek counsel on that subject. Because that's one that I think there's a lot of gray area in. But it's worth mentioning. In closing, why is submission so difficult? Isn't it difficult, ladies? It's difficult. I'm not a lady, but I would imagine it's difficult. I'm just thinking about how we are sometimes, you know? It's difficult to submit. Why is it so difficult? Well, it goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember the Garden of Eden? We've all picked on Eve, haven't we? You know, I cannot believe Eve came in and ate that apple, you know? She should have consulted with her husband first. Well, where was the guy? He was obviously neglecting his responsibilities. He wasn't anywhere to be found. The truth of the matter is, in the scriptures where we read in Genesis chapter 3, in the fall of man, it was definitely Adam and it was Eve. But let's look at the curse of sin that affected the woman. And it's found clearly in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 3. God himself said to the woman, I will surely, God said, multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children and your desire because of your sin... You're going to have a hard time yielding to your husband. It's going to be contrary to your husband, but he's going to rule over you. It's the way I've designed it, but you're not going to want it that way. You see, a woman's sinful bent is to usurp her husband's authority. You're going to struggle with it. To push, to nag, to divert, to manipulate, to control, to pressure for needs to be met, to push him a little too far. And then we've got our sinful bent too. We'll talk about it next week. But the truth of the matter is, is involved in the curse on sin, the woman is deeply affected in childbearing and in submission. This is all an inclination in the woman because of the fall. And a man responds to this in one of two ways. As I have seen it, a man, number one, responds by becoming an authoritarian. He says, woman, if you don't like it, this is the way it's going to be. God bless you, sweetheart. That's a horrible way to live. That's a mess. And the guy needs to get right with God because there is nowhere in Scripture where a man ought to treat a woman with a dictatorial or authoritarian, authoritarian attitude. But this is what happens. This is, this is one of the ways that men respond. And I hate it, but it happens. But I also see sometimes a man become very po- passive and he stops caring altogether. How many times have I sat with a husband and a wife and the husband doesn't say a word? He's given up. He just becomes passive as she speaks for the both of them. And so this is why submission is so difficult. But 
Ladies, I would encourage you with this verse. And I, I would encourage you to really study it for yourself and meditate on it. It's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. The wisest of a woman builds her house. You have that power. God's gifted you with the ability to build your house and, and, and to make your house a great place and a sweet place. But folly with her own hands tears it down. So you have within your God-given gifting and ability and role to build your house up or to tear your house down. And then in closing, why is submission essential? Well, it's biblical. It's biblical. I mean, isn't it biblical? You say, well, yeah, it's, you got one verse. Well, I do have that one verse, but what about this? Let's go, first of all, to Ephesians 5.22. That's the one we've been talking about. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. But what about Colossians 3.18? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. 1 Peter 3.1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Titus 2, chapter 4. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children. And on and on it goes. It's not a one-time occurrence. There is a teaching of submission Throughout scripture, we just got to understand what it is. Number two, it's the way that God uses wives to change their husbands. It's incredible how, uh, listen, the one person in this room, in this world, that has done more to change me for the better is sitting on the front row. And I'll tell you why. First Peter 3, one's why. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, I've been that person sometimes. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Caroline's not perfect. But she has been an amazing help to me over these years in, in, in keeping me straight. Times where I haven't seen, what's wrong with that girl? She just, I, can, I mean, she's, honey, I'm telling you, be careful. I'm just, just, that's all I'm going to say. And how many times was she right? How many times did, did I not see something that she saw? And at times she didn't have to say a word. She just prayed for me. And, and then I would get a text and she was, I was praying you'd make that decision. I mean, listen, ladies, you have within your God-given role the ability to change your husband. And I am honestly the product of a, of a wife who has learned to change me for the better. Number three. It affirms and edifies your husband and his responsibility under God. He has a responsibility under God and every man needs to be edified and affirmed. Every man wants that respect. Number four, without it, without submission, you get between God and your husband. Remember, we do this as unto the Lord. So when we, when we don't do it, we get in between God and our husband. We actually say, God, listen, I don't see it the way you see it. Sorry, this is the way it's going to be. And we, we, we push aside God's divine order of authority in the home and it's not going to work. And then finally, five, with it, you are allowing God to use your obedience as one of the instruments to change your husband's life. I've seen a lot of wicked men. I mean, unsaved husbands. And I know that, you know, that, that's probably why it ended up being a tough situation because how can two walk together unless they be agreed? But I thank God for the times I've seen a wife, because of her submission, actually be a part of leading her husband to Christ. Now, I'm pretty much finished. I would say this, though, in closing. Men, hey, men. Don't miss next Sunday. In fact, be early, ready to go. Because the truth of the matter is, is God would have for our homes to understand more than, notice I didn't say this today. Notice I didn't say, number one, date your wife once a week. Number two, make sure to 
pick up your towel and fold it. Ladies, would you appreciate that? Sure you would. My wife has been on me about more consistent date life, and I'm coming through tomorrow night. <laughs> Seriously, 6 o'clock. We got date night tomorrow night, baby. I'm submitting. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, she's yielding. I'm yielding. Somebody's yielding. Okay. But notice I didn't say, you know, turn off ESPN. I mean, those are, I've done that before, and those are good sermons. I'll probably preach one of those in the future. I'm not saying they're wrong, but is that the, pro- the problem, really? I need to fold my towel or pick up my clothes. Or, that would help. But that's not, that's not in the Bible. You're not going to find a verse in the Bible that, 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 that says that. That's just like good stuff, right? That's just good things, little ideas. I've learned this. This is biblical. This is the word of the Lord. And if you and I can understand the role of a woman, the role of a husband in marriage and do it God's way, home run base is loaded. And that's what we need. That's what we need. So every head bowed and every eye closed. And our invitation today is going to be prayer. And we're going to pray and then we're going to sing, God is so good and just be dismissed. Because as we sit in the auditorium this morning, I really feel, I felt led just as I finished the message that this is the way we should end. Just prayer and just really seeking the Lord's favor in our small groups and in our discussion. And just, I'm excited about learning more about this, Lord. I'll be honest. I've never preached this in 25 years. You probably should say, shame on you, pastor. You probably should. I, I, it's just, honestly, it's, it's a tougher subject. It, it just requires a, a little bit more maneuvering to do it right. And we live in a society where, 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 where people have got it so wrong that it's hard, it's, it's hard to get it right without just sticking to the word 100%. So this morning, I've not given you my thoughts or my opinion. I just said, look, this is what God says. We're going to do the same thing next week. It's going to be all about what God says. It's 11 verses of, of, of Bible study and the role of the husband. Believe me, I've been deeply convicted as I've... If I, as I writ, wrote the message, I'm, I'm, I'm almost afraid to preach it without repenting first. <laughs> because I know that I've fallen short. So, man, we're going to next week take that step into prayerfully understanding our role. And how if our wives get what we sought today and our, we get what we teach next week, then this thing's destined for success. Father, I love you. I pray over the homes in our church and over the visitors that are here and... Lord, I know this is not, you know, the, the normal Sunday morning, if you will. I mean, there's, there's more teaching involved and a, a, just a lot more emphasis on, 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 on a subject that, Lord, requires more than just 45 minutes of teaching. There's so much here. But, God, I pray that you would take this and, and begin to, to, to pour into us, Lord, with, with your Holy Spirit's discernment and wisdom and that we would Lord allow your spirit to teach us and to train us as husbands and wives to understand our role it's not about changing our personalities Lord we're unique we're special it's it's not about the fact that we're all equal it's that we're different we're not the same and Lord I'm grateful for that you made my wife to complete me to help me Lord, I would not be what I am today without her. And I pray she can say the same thing without me. 
So, Father, help us, Lord, not to look to the past and our failures and the things we didn't do right, because I've got a laundry list of those probably longer than anybody in the church. But I know, God, that from now on, I can start seeking your help to get better and, 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 to, and to really fulfill the role for which you put me into this relationship with Carol Ann. You're good, God. You're good. And we thank you for your word. And we claim it today as truth. And we believe it, Lord, whether anybody else believes it or not. We pray these things in the strong and loving name of Jesus. Amen. And amen.